Today's guest shares how the ancient Taoist practice of semen retention not only made him a better lover, but also supported him in building a multi-million dollar business. If you want to understand how you can access this ancient technique to support your relationships and to show up more fully in your life, get ready for today's episode of the Call to Courage podcast. Welcome to the podcast for men who are ready to lead their most expansive and courageous lives. Thank you for joining us on this adventure where we'll be questioning old paradigms and architecting new ways to live, laugh, and love. I'm Gareth Pickery. And I'm Matt Dazi. We believe that your story could contain the key that unlocks someone else's healing. So we connect with humans from all walks of life as they share their journeys from chaos to courage. So if you're ready to experience the ease and flow that come from living an expansive and well-crafted life, you're in the right place. This is the Call to Courage podcast. This episode is sponsored by the King Circle. In our hyper-connected world, many men report feeling more and more disconnected and out of touch with their authentic selves, pretending to be someone they're not, holding their truth instead of speaking it. The thing about not being authentically you is that it holds you back from achieving your full potential. The King's Circle is a live online gathering for men to speak their truth and reconnect with their authentic selves. Authenticity means completely accepting yourself so that you can speak your needs, hold your boundaries, and show up confidently in all situations. This path to self-acceptance isn't easy, but when you decide to walk it, the King's Circle will give you all the systems, self-inquiry, and support that you need to connect to your mission and lead your most courageous life. So if you're ready to show up as the authentic and integrated father, son, or brother that you know that you came here to be, make sure that you're part of the next King's Circle. These circles take place live every other Thursday and you can secure your seat by going to fatherssonsbrothers.com forward slash circle. I will also put a link in the show notes. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Really glad to have you here and excited to be sharing this conversation today with fellow South African and a dear brother, Leonard Lowe. Leonard is the author of a book called Jump, which is an epic soul and sex adventure. He's a speaker, a guide, a mentor, a sexual mastery coach, a wizard, and a lover. I had the honor of spending a couple of weeks inside a training container that Leonard was hosting a few months back. And the aim of the container was a 21-day semen retention journey where he taught us the techniques that he has used in his own life to be able to control our ejaculations, to be able to harness that energy to be not only a better lover, but also to allocate it to other areas of our lives. Leonard is an amazing human being that has built a multi-million dollar business in South Africa, 500 people, and in this conversation, he shares how he did that and some of the characteristics that he believes make him successful as the businessman that he is. He shares some of his practices and some of the techniques that he uses to understand and harness semen retention to be able to support him in his life and his relationships and a whole lot more. Before we get into today's episode, I'm really excited to let you know that if you resonate with the content inside this episode, Leonard is going to be live inside the King's Circle 
That's our men's circle that takes place every other week. And on the 2nd of March, 2023, Leonard will be showing up to be able to take your questions and unpack some of the topics that we talk about in this episode in greater detail. If you're interested in joining that circle and interacting with Leonard directly, go to fatherssonsbrothers.com forward slash circle. And I'll also leave a link to that in the show notes. And without further ado, Mr. Leonard Lowe. Welcome to another episode of the Call to Courage podcast. My guest today is Leonard Lowe. Leonard, how are you, bro? Hi, Gareth. Uh, I'm cool, man. It's good seeing you on the screen here. How are you doing? <laughs> good, thank you, bro. Here in Guatemala, where, um, yeah, you originally connected with Araminta and how you came into my world. And I, I want to get to that at some point, but it feels so weird to to be connected to another South African, someone that feels like a, a part of my old world, although I haven't actually met you in person yet. And um, yeah, knowing that you've met and spent time with Minta and Des and a whole lot of crew inside South Esther feels like family that I haven't quite met. Eh? <laughs> yeah, and I tell you, you're sitting at a, at a beautiful place uh, in the world that I love very much. I had such a magical mm -hmm. time at the lake, you know, two months there. It is, it's such a beautiful, magical place and I had such deep experiences there and good memories. Let's jump straight in there. What um, what happened in your world that got you to a place that you found yourself in Guatemala? Give us a a rundown of that uh, of that story. <clears throat> yeah, I was. Oh, maybe let's go back to twenty twelve. I was in South Africa um, in the business world at that point. Um, the CEO of a, of a direct insurance life insurance company, and. Um, uh -huh. I was, uh, I just, there was this big inner shift that happened with me, like a few years prior to that, around about 2009. Um, and it was just like something, quite a big shift in my, my world and my life and just intuition and inner voice saying, you know, I should be doing something different with my life. And I've always had a lot of fun in business. You know, we were always the Mavericks, we were always out there fighting for the consumer, bringing value to the consumer. It was really, really heart-centered businesses. And uh, I was always always having fun. And, and, and it was, I loved building businesses and getting it out there. And then in 2009, something starts, changed. And it was just like I would walk on the floor and I just feel, no, no, I shouldn't be here anymore, you know, on the sales floor and in the, in the business floor, you know, very much a open-plan business with a, with a nice vibe and went to work like this, you know. And... Um, uh -huh. But with with all of that, even I I had this I, I just had this feeling I should be doing different, and it didn't make any sense. Um, there was no no one to talk to in those days. I was running the business. It's difficult to talk to your guys about that when you're in a business, you know. And um, I just distracted myself for the next three four years with a lot of sex, drugs, uh, jacuzzis. And uh, uh -huh. you know, and it, it took me four years of like a bit of a crazy lifestyle here in Cape Town before I eventually surrendered and just went, I give up, man. What what is this voice trying to to tell me? And and then I started inquiring into that, and and the answer was there was no answer to start off with, which was quite frustrating. And then I asked more, and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was a little bit disappointed. I was like, oh man, I'm now dropping into this inquiry, but there's no answers. And then eventually <clears throat> I asked, what should I be doing to find out 
what I should be doing. And it was it just this knowing appeared inside me, you know, this voice saying that clear out all of the old to make place for the new to come in. Um, okay. And yeah, that, that was quite clear. At that point, uh, I just realized, you know, I had to, had to change a lot. And that, that meant changing my life in a big way, you know. I resigned the business. I sold, sold and gave away most of my possessions. Bought a backpack and a one-way ticket to Lima and Peru. Um, yeah, I just ended up a year in South America. And towards the end of that year, I ended up in Guatemala at the lake. <laughs> You know, when um, when Vincent first told me who you were, uh, you had just written your book, Jump, and um, that book reads almost exactly with different faces and different characters, like a very similar story to mine. So hearing your journey of where you got to and, yeah, the unease that comes from doing something that no longer feels aligned, specifically in the business world, is something I resonate with a lot. Okay. And then also just going off path, you know, I have a very similar story of just trying to Get, keep myself busy and distract myself from the uncomfortability of doing the thing that doesn't feel aligned. And um, reading Jump, I was like, oh, <laughs> some of those stories at the beginning are like, fuck, it feels like it could be me. And so, yeah, and then mine was similar, you know. Also, I left with, I left a little bit differently. I'm like, I'm only going for six months. That was my um, ability to give myself permission to leave mm. and yeah, go on the hero's journey and realize you don't ever come back the same person, no matter what happens out there. Uh, exactly, Gareth. Yeah, I tell you, my mind was also not supposed to be five years, or, or well, no, what is it now, 10 years. <coughs> Mine was, I thought, you know, I'll give myself at least three months, you know, so I don't want to, whatever happens, I'm not coming back after three months. And somehow I knew that it was a critical period, you know, three months to uh -huh. a year. And it's a pretty funny story. I was actually actually on my way to New York, you know, because in 2012 when all of this happened, you know, I was just, you know, this is what I've been working for my whole life. And I, many years at university studying all of this stuff and working business, you get to a certain level. And I just thought I'm bored of this business. I need to find new businesses. And what comes to mind, going to New York, go check it out. You know, that, that was where I was actually going, you know. It's actually super funny if you look back at it now in hindsight. Um but it was January 2014, and I look at the temperature ch chart in New York, and now for an African to go to minus five degrees Celsius in January from uh -uh. from a summer year ain't going to happen. So, <laughs> so I just went, no, okay, well, let me go to South America. I'll take three, four months, and by May, I'll end up in New York. Um, needless to say, I've never been to New York. I still want to go check it out sometime, but uh, <laughs> one day, but... I never got there, you know. I ended up in South America and a oh, long story, and I got sick with parasites. And I just went on a whole journey where I tried conventional medicine, none of that worked, and ended up with a shaman actually at the lake, you know, that assisted me, a crazy guy there, and bumped into Araminta. It also connected me with emotional expression release. And um, uh -huh. yeah, Dr. Bill at the lake that I did a lot of also shamanic Dr. stuff Bill. with. And I met him recently, yeah. <laughs> oh, did you? Is he back there? I, 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 I hear he was gone, but uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a super interesting guy. Yeah? Oh, so interesting, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what what do you find in South America? Like what are, what are some of the, I mean, the shaman, what is what do you learn in these experiences about yourself and about <coughs> the world and about, yeah. Yeah, for me, it was basically there on the journey, you know, I, you know, when I, when, when I got sick and I mean, I lost, I mean, I was a fit, lean 
young man of 82 kgs, you know, super ripped and no fat at 82 when I left, you know. So I was, I was really in, uh, in good shape. And by the time the parasites ended up with me, like three, four months later, I dropped to 72. I lost 10 kilo kgs of muscle, you know. So mm-hmm. I took that on back on yet again. Um, so, yeah, so I, I really then just drop into, into, in, into I suppose, yeah, into into the energy world and into uh, the people that I come across with there, and also come across uh, book Seat of the Soul with Gary Zukov, and you know, and it was just fascinating, and the whole world opened up for me. You know, it became a whole deep spiritual journey. It sometimes feels silly saying that because I think our experience and our life is a spiritual journey, but. Yeah, it just became something totally different. Very soon I realized I'm not on a way out here to find another business on or going to New York. I'm actually here on a deep inner journey. And that's what mm-hmm. all of that brought. I really dropped into a deep, deep inner journey for the following five years all around the world, going to different workshops, different learnings. Um, yeah, and just dropping deep inside. So powerful. What are what are some of the things that specifically stood out for you? Like as you as you start to explore your inner world and you have these realizations that what you're looking for is not actually out there. It's it's inside. Like what what comes up for you in those times? Like what are the that was there a specific ceremony? I mean, I know you're having read your book. There's lots of different things that you went on, and I, I know those. What what were the most profound ones? Perhaps is a better way of asking. Yeah, Gareth. No, it was it was there, was, there were quite a, quite a number. But you know, one of the things was. You know, I wasn't maybe the, just popping what's jumping up, popping up in my mind now is the first one of the first things was you know the the masculine feminine energies inside us. You know, I was mm-hmm. very much a left brain analytical guy. You know, um, you know, South African male. You know, and um, yeah, then I came across yeah these guys on these workshops talking about feminine energies and you know the woman inside you and. I went, what the fuck is this about, you know? And, and, <laughs> <laughs> but it rang true and it felt true, you know? So that was a deep journey. Um, which which part felt true? That you rec- there was a realization that there was some feminine energy there? Or? Oh, yeah, for sure. I very quickly dropped. You know, we did the six, seven-day residential journeys, you know, that you drop in very deep. I did many of those. I did just on the, on, on the, on the, on the Easter stuff, I did like 10 Easter, you know, and okay. uh-huh. and Hawaii, I, I very much dropped very deep in there, and Hawaii that we did the six seven day journey, and so I really really got to see my feminine side, and I also realized actually that in business I used a lot of my feminine energy to to run the businesses, you know. So there was the penetrative energy of getting the results, but then when I walked on yeah. the floor with the, with the sales guys there sitting, you know, it was only Last business only me, and when you know that started the business, the guys got to start the business, and when I left, we were five hundred people, and I would walk on the floor and I'd talk to the guys, and I'll be on, you know, it, it was I was very much from managing from a feminine energy, and I we always used to say in the business, hard uh, on results, soft on people, and that was the it was a, actually fascinating. It was a lot of masculine feminine integration already there in a business space, but then I mm-hmm. just became more conscious of it when I did these journeys and what then was another deep drop in for me when I did this was I then realized also the outer feminine 
And I have a journey with the outer feminine. You know, I love women. I love the outer feminine. And mm-hmm. I realized that sometimes that could have been also, especially those last years in, in, in Clifton and Cape Town, with the crazy time. It was a distraction. I was using the outer feminine very much as a distraction or to go inside and go, go inner, deep inside. And when I was in Hawaii, you know, with this, after the, 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 the training, I stayed there for another, another few weeks. And I just, I basically just ignored all the beautiful outer feminine feminines that walk around on the Puna Coast in Hawaii. And as you know, there are quite, quite many of them. And I just uh-huh. dropped into the inner, inner feminine in myself, you know. So it was a deep, beautiful journey. I and it started the celibacy period of, 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 of almost two years, you know, a little bit of breaks in between, but a broad two year celibacy period. Where I didn't connect with the outer feminine from a sexual point of view, but rather connected with my with myself, my and my own energies, and my own masculine feminine, and that was a profound journey. You know, when I came out of that, and I started connecting with women after that, it came from a different place. It came from a very much more of a completeness place. You know, I I, I wasn't connecting to look for completion. It was just like I felt pretty chilled about you know myself in terms of this inner call it marriage and then when I connected with, with women it was like you know it was like wow it's, 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 it's a nice to have it, 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 I didn't need it anymore it was just because if I uh, you know being, if I wanted it it was great but it, it didn't come from a neat place so such an important realization it's like we all articulate our soulmate as being the partner that comes into our life and you know hopefully sweeps us off our feet but in, in many ways the our soulmate is the relationship that we have, the only one that we have for our entire life, and that's with ourselves. And recognizing that in order for us to be able to show up fully in any partnership is to show up fully for ourselves first and recognize this this inner marriage sure. of masculine and feminine. And so, yeah, that's such a beautiful practice. How did you, how did you come to know about celibacy? Was this just a, a conscious choice that you made? Did you recognize that you were distracting yourself with women or did it just naturally unfold that way? Like... It's not a choice many men make. That's what I'm. No, yeah. no, it's beautiful. No, it's a beautiful question, and it's a super funny answer in a way. Also, um, yeah, it just happened. Uh, I so as I said, January 2014, one way ticket Lima, Peru, South America. One of the other reasons I went there, I'm just being honest, is that I also also knew or thought there were a lot of beautiful women over there. You know, love the Spanish yeah. looks. I arrived there, and yeah, I just found myself in South America. Uh, just something shifted, you know. That's even before we doing the residential workshops and all the trainings. That was even in that first year before I did any spiritual, you know, workshops or sexuality shamanic workshops. I was just traveling. I was reading a lot. I was reading a lot of Paolo Coelho, Gary Zukov, and so forth. But I, it is just something that happened, Gareth. It's amazing. I just found when I was talking to 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 a lady, you know, I would talk and engage with her, but. I, I didn't take it further to to, to the sexual space. It was the strangest, weirdest thing. I, I was may wanted to, and I would feel I wanted. But then, as we're talking, I, I just felt I, I didn't didn't want to. It was the strangest thing. I would. It's super funny. I would almost self sabotage and drop a, some water or beer on her or myself or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's weird, man. It, it confused the shit out of me because I. It just started happening. It was just my soul was saying no take a break, you know, and I, you know, just focus on yourself. I mean, I didn't even understand the message, you know, about inner feminine and all of that thing. I just mm-hmm. knew, or it just happened 
that I didn't. And I mean, as you know, South America, there are a lot of beautiful women around and you're from, mm-hmm. from Africa, you know, and you're then Colombia, you know, it's this, this, this wonderful woman there and there's a lot of opportunity. Um, and I made some good friends, but I, I, I just felt it just happened that way that my, it was almost, it was almost as if they, I, I didn't, I, I just couldn't go there. It's just like very clear message from my soul that, that I then listened to, you know, as to, 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 to not to. And in the beginning, it was super confusing because I was like, why is this happening? Because it, part of me wanted to, in, to interact, you know, mm-hmm. so the body was responding mm-hmm. and, you know, getting an erection. But the other part of me was saying, no, don't, you know, and it wasn't a mind thing. It just, it just it's just almost like a soul thing. If it's almost, it's difficult to articulate this, but it was a very clear, uh, it was almost impossible to do. It was so so clear that I that I didn't, um, and then mm. only like a few months later, at the end of that year, Jan fifth of next year in twenty fifteen, when I did a lot of the 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 work around you know um, the deep inner journey and masculine feminine energies, then the penny dropped, and I went, ah, oh, okay. I had to get to know my inner chick first. <laughs> uh huh. Yes. Exactly. But, but but to be honest with you, I wish I could say I had that insight in that year before I didn't it just happened it just happened that way it was just mm-hmm. I suppose listening to the voice listening to the intuition the same voice and intuition I listened to when I jumped out of the business uh, in 2013 you know eventually just trusting my intuition trusting the voice um, yeah and I was thinking as we were talking and I love this this name of your podcast man you know Call to Courage it's, it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and I was thinking now, what is the courage thing that I did there? Because some people ask me, you know, what was, must have been courageous. And in a way, yes, it was. But in a way, I just had to, at that point, do it. But, um, yeah, I suppose the, the, the deep, the big thing that, that, that helped there was I just had, I, I dropped into that deep trust of my intuition and actually surrendering and listening to the inner voice. Hmm. Yeah, it's such a remarkable journey and I, I resonate with it so much. I think um, the courage piece for me comes back to recognizing that I also had a stage after I broke up with my partner of four years and we'd bought a house together and my life sort of took a slightly different turn in South Africa. I also had about three or four years after that where I was I was a bit sloppy. You know, I was a part of me wasn't happy. Um, my internal narrative was telling me to keep on the path that I was on. And yeah, I was distracting myself. I think much like you articulated this, like mm. the soul wants something different to emerge, but the the mind and the body and the ego is saying, we've always done this, let's keep doing this. And I, yeah, when you're unhappy, I've also got very busy with gym and women and drugs and alcohol and all the things. But I recognize now that <clears throat> that journey for me has actually been, instead of shaming and holding like some sort of disgust or repulsion from that version of myself actually to recognize that that's really the hero that's the one that's the part of me that's been giving me all the signs that i need to go out there and that's the courageous part of me that was like your body just generally starts i was getting sick continuously like all the signs were there i just wasn't aware that those were signs for me to do something else so yeah i resonate with that that piece so much uh, that's beautiful, Gareth. I love that, man. So you said that was the, the, yeah. the courage part also that came out there. 
you know, I think the courageous part was for me, I didn't have anything to lose. Like I wasn't married with kids mm. and my life when I looked around me was yeah. a shit show. And I was like, you know, I was, I had pink eye for like conjunctivitis in my eye for almost a month. And I was like, just, my body was giving me signs that something wasn't good. I was sick quite a bit. And <clears throat> at the time I was going to a wedding in the UK and decided that I was going to go and see a friend. And I was like, okay, let me just do six months of travel and see what unfolds. And yeah, much like you, I had plans to come back and start another business, but life was pulling me in a different direction that didn't bring me back to the the same journey. But yeah, it okay. does, it does require courage to let go of the old and to, and to step into something new. And what right. I've actually said, since discovered is looking at specifically the name of this podcast called to courage is that the yes. original definition of courage means from the heart and to be courageous means to speak from the heart. And so, yeah, the conversations that we have that are genuinely authentic about what's on the heart is actually a way to cultivate courage. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that, man. And I, I so agree with you in terms of that part of you that, that did also that, that crazy stuff and, and didn't want to listen to the voice. And so, exactly, it's so beautiful not to look at that in whatever, what's what you discussed or in like, it's also part of you. It's uh -huh. a part of you, big part of you that brought that forward. Uh, mm -hmm. I love that. I want to ask you about your business in South Africa. What was the insurance company that you were involved in? Uh, there were a few. I was uh, the One Life Direct. It's a business. A one Life Direct. The business yeah, One Life Direct is the big. The, the business just before I left was was called Frank.net. It was also a direct life business, but the one before that was One Life Direct. That's the more the, the bigger business that we set up in two thousand and six. And yeah, we were the first company selling insurance directly in South Africa, um, and one of the first in the, in the world actually. And it was part of a group, a broader group, um, which also did short-term insurance, car insurance direct. There were brands like okay. you know, a lot of, lot of, lot of brands specifically for women and for gang direct. And we had, we had some really okay. beautiful brands out there. And, but from then, from there, the short-term, we also went into the long-term, the life part with One Life. And what is it, what do you need to grow a business that is that successful? What are the, some of the attributes I heard you say? hard on results and soft on people. What are other, some of the other skills that you need to, to build a business like that? I heard you say you had fun. I mean, that probably plays an important part as well, but how long did it take you to build that business and what were some of the attributes that you say <clears throat> to your success? Uh, for me, business is all about people, man. So it was, for me, the biggest part is the people, you know. So I'm, and I'm, I'm more a business builder and grower and starter than a main, maintenance. I get a little bit bored once, you know, things are running and maintaining it, but I'm, I love uh -huh. creating stuff and building it and growing it. And yeah, so what I did with, with, with both those last businesses were I would, I would, I would interview every person before they start. Doesn't matter what, what, what level I would have the last interview. You know, obviously I didn't go do a lot of, um, the other guys in the business would obviously check the competencies, but I would do a culture check, you know, in the last interview. Plus now this guy, you know, imagine this young sales guy on the floor. And we didn't have titles in the business, but obviously from a PR point of view, we would have a title. So now, now this young guy is going to see the CEO of the business before he starts. He's 21, 22. He's going to be on a sales call. So that was just super yeah. awesome, you know. So these guys started, I mean, they're like big eyes in this meeting, you know, and the final interview was me. And I did... 
even in the end, you know, I interviewed at a point I had to have, to have that session with about six of them at the same time because like, there was not when we had five and too many people. Still, yeah. yeah, it was too, but it was still that, you know. So it was still doing it. And there were some guys that I just told the guys, no, we're not employing them. I could see this not going to be a good cultural fit. So I think that's a big part. I think building a business that cares about the people, building a business that it's in a hard space where people are. Uh, um, developed and trained and looked after um, and you know when they make mistakes get a corrective feedback but it comes from a heart space and you you build, a, build it almost as a family not almost as a family and the people in a business feels that way also our what other people will call our suppliers we never used that call that use that word it was our partners you know so let's our ad agency were partners in a business, you know, you know, and not from a financial point of view, but they, they, when we had our sales price givings on a Friday, uh, you know, at the end of the month, invite the uh, advertising guys there, you know, and they were there, and then I would tell these sales guys, you know, I was that fun guy, I was on a mic on the floor, you know, and all these sales guys get good big prices, and we we celebrate them for doing well, and. Uh-huh. I would, Point out you're the you're the advertising agentsman. There's Justin. He's the guy that put all these beautiful creative adverts together that make the phone ring. Now I tell you, right. when those guys leave the floor, you know, and the weekend at home, you know, they they feel part of. They, they think of ideas. They in business, they're going to think about you, not about other companies where they're just suppliers. You know, so there's also a big business yes. benefit in that, um, and that people underestimate that. So yeah, so our everyone was part of a family. Uh, so the people part is is, is is a big part, you know. Then obviously there all the other stuff of the numbers and getting that right. And um, but yeah, I would, I would say that's a big big piece. So good. How do you know if someone's not going to be a fit when you when you in that interview? Like, what are some of the things? Is it just a gut feeling, or how do you tell? It's often a gut feel, you know. Someone says something, or like whatever, you can just see. Maybe a bit of negativity uh-huh. or a bit of political stuff. You know, it's sometimes amazing how these things can come out. You know, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so you can you can you can yeah you can feel it. You can just feel it in that space. I, I worked in business very much on my intuition. You know, I studied all the business stuff and the legal stuff and so on. But when when I ran advertising for the group, you know, the, the, the role before. I would look at different adverts, adverts that the guys would pack out and I would just say, wow, that's going to work better than that. I just knew it and we measured it because we had different telephone numbers for different adverts and it was always, always right. So the intuition, I think, is another big part in business, you know, um, that people… That is the feminine part, totally, right? That was always there for that's, you. That's, exactly. That's it. And people underestimate that, you know, and especially these big listed corporate businesses. If you talk to them and you give them ideas, so this is what we're going to do, and they say, why? And you say… Because it feels right. Those guys freak out, you know. Luckily, uh-huh. I was because they don't. They don't. I mean, they think they get really worried when you say that. Um, uh-huh. And uh, in the latter business, there was a little bit of that. But the business before that was all entrepreneurial family businesses, and there it was totally accepted. People trusted your your, your gut feel because you know you, 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 your results go by that. So I think that's another big part. Um, and then I think also, you know, is this business, what's what's the business doing? You know, is it, does it, you ask the, the other benefits or success factor, is that, mm-hmm. is it is it coming from the heart? You know, are, we, are you ripping the customers off or are you trying to give them as much value as you can? And are you direct and honest uh-huh. in your advertising and your marketing? And then when they call in, are you answer the phone fast and quick and have empathy with the guy? And I just crashed his car or something happened, you know, or got burgled. 
No, is it just mm-hmm. a numbers game, or are you actually from your heart speaking to this person and have empathy with him? You know, so it's mm-hmm. things like that. And yeah, I'm super proud that we were doing that in the '90s already. In the 2000s, was involved in businesses that we were. We, we did that in the '90s and the 2000s already. Um, so I think nowadays, I mean, don't think a business will even succeed with any of that. But in those days, I think you know there were many rough businesses out there. So, so yeah, I was so super blessed to have been involved in, in in those type of businesses. Do you think that what you're talking to there is one of the challenges of like what we see with the patriarchy and traditional capitalism and stuff like that, where there's too much mind and not enough typically men in power trusting their intuition and tuning into that and tapping into that part of ourselves? Definitely. And yes, Gareth, women also, you know, so women step into this world of business, you know, and there are so many examples of where they are even more, as great as it may sound, but patriarchal than the men in it and, and operate from a total masculine energy and follow almost the example of, of that old school of, 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 of man where you have to control you know, command and control, you know, <laughs> those businesses. That's the, the way it's been set up. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's been set up, you know, that's how you perform, you know, show up longer. And, you know, I, I recognize that women are expected to be that way if they're going to perform in a world that measures those things to be the key drivers inside a business. Yeah, it makes me sad. Huh? It makes me really sad because, um, and obviously there's a lot of women that, that in that space that, that don't operate from it. But I think maybe... 10, 20, 30 years ago when, when obviously there was a lot more fairness in employment and a lot of more women entered the workplace, uh, I think the example was that command and control of the old masculine type of thing. So unfortunately, I think a lot of women also followed that route in terms of managing businesses and, and, and appearing, you know, presenting themselves in a, in a uh, showing up in business like that. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and obviously... In the last centuries, so many businesses were very much like that, you know, command and control, mm-hmm. even the business books in the 70s, 80s, so a lot of that. Um, so, yeah, luckily we're shifting into a new world. We're shifting in a new consciousness. We're shifting into a new way of, of, of business. Uh, I think, you know, this whole, you know, this, we still have the structures in place of the 3D world and consciousness and a frequency across the planet is lifting, you know, you know, I'm just using these as, as pointers, like 5D world and consciousness is lifting, but the structures are still there and, and the businesses are there. And this, this rising consciousness is, 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 is pulling this old school 3D businesses with it, which means they are inter- they're disagreeing, they're falling apart. And people mm-hmm. you know, look at this and they think, oh, what's, what's going on? But it's just, it's just obvious is that those frequencies of those 3D businesses can't handle this higher frequency. Uh, uh, consciousness that we're shifting into so that's falling mm-hmm. apart and if you start new businesses in that frame it's got no chance of working as a matter of fact all these things are going to crumble and are crumbling so for, mm-hmm. what's exciting for me is that you now starting businesses that are fully in this consciousness of higher frequency and higher vibration and higher consciousness you have actually led beautifully into my next question which is where what do you see the your role as a maverick business person in current business and future like where do you see that crossover what what sort of place do you want to where do you want to stand in that for yourself and your <clears throat> business yeah that's fascinating you know i've um 
so for the last few years, I've been doing a lot of work in a sexuality space and doing some workshops and that and put some courses together for, for men and having a lot of fun. And now recently, the last few months, I was like going, okay, I'm missing business a bit. And um, I miss the intellectual stimulation because, you know, there is just so much of that in, in, in business and most businesses. Um, so now it's interesting. I'm actually finding the universe are bringing me some some stuff, uh, opportunities or or, uh, or or things to look at in terms of business. And so maybe I'll get a little bit more involved or maybe a lot more involved in, in businesses going forward. I don't know. You know living the mystery, living the, the, the this, mag this magical mystery. So let's see where it goes. But yeah, I think I definitely can play a big role. You know, whether it is running a business, starting businesses or helping people that are running businesses to to build it with this with this higher frequency and with this higher consciousness uh, which goes across all of it it goes across the people it goes to what you bring to market it goes with go, go, goes towards the energy that you that you're creating this with you know you're creating it from a heart space or you're just creating it in numbers nothing wrong with creating it with numbers but is it where does it come from because whatever energy you're mm -hmm. creating it with, that's the energy that, that it will will be. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful question, Gareth. It's very it's very appropriate for right now because I can really see some stuff shifting in my space with this uh, that I didn't mm -hmm. necessarily see coming. You know, uh, I can really feel that. Yeah, I think this is probably a role for me to play in in, in that. Uh, yeah, consciousness business going forward. It's. Yeah, it's something I was going to speak to you about, and I'm just going to plant the seed right here in this conversation. And that is, I see a an awakening that you're talking about, like a, an awakening of consciousness. Um, I think where I'm seeing it, and where I'm playing a role, and where I'm taking a stand, as as where you are as well, is also in the sort of men's awakening um, sort of space, the integration of the masculine and feminine inside men. Um, and I think what I want to make sure that we don't do is we don't end up recreating the same sort of structures with a new label that looks, you know, a little bit more fresh for the times. And one of the things that mm -hmm. I'm recognizing is that in men's work, there's quite a few of us doing similar things where I think perhaps we could be more effective if we collaborated a little bit better. You know, you have your course, mm -hmm. I have mine, someone else has got their podcast, someone else has got their online audience. And I'm keen to bring a, a collaboration of you know, people in this space together to share their gifts and bring our overlapping audiences together in a way that makes sense. So I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but I can see a space where, yeah, we probably have a lot more to offer collectively than we do standing as individuals in this space. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that, man. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah that's the whole thing about, you know, or collaborating rather than competition, you know, to lift each other up and Mm -hmm. and I think that's also the world we're living in. So yeah, I what do you see as? What do you see as the as the skill set that we need to move into this next phase as leaders? What does what does leadership represent in this new paradigm for you? What do you think are some of the traits that we would need to start to get better at if we're going to move into this five D and let these old systems disintegrate and move? Like, what are some of the embodied? like attributes that would embody leadership in a meaningful way. Sure. I'm just going to drop into what's say what's dropping in for me now, you know, sometimes I just talk uh -huh. whatever drops in rather than think too much about it. 
I don't know. The first thing that's coming up for me now is sexuality. To have your sexuality integrated. Now, people will say, wow, leadership and sexuality, isn't that actually a contradiction? And how can you have, you know, in a business, sexuality is such a dangerous word in leadership and business because you can get sued and, you know, lawsuits. You, uh-huh. know, you, know, you know that whole story. So, <clears throat> but for me, you know, to be an integrated human being um, and integrating and connecting with other people, you need to be integrated yourself. And I actually have this, actually have this quote, my own quote on my website, which says, a, you, know, a, um, you know, a powerful man, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's got a healthy, balanced sexuality, and that starts with a deep inner journey, uh, something to mm-hmm. that effect. And uh, uh-huh. so, yeah, I think I think sexuality is a big part, you know. And then often what you do is you go to these workshops and there's many beautiful things around the world happening. And, and there's also a lot of stuff for men, you know, um, for example, the Mankind Project. And I don't know that much about it, but a lot of stuff like that. But a lot of these things includes everything but sexuality. <laughs> you know, so uh-huh. you walk into the workshop space and put your sexuality in a briefcase and leave it at the door and you go in. And you do the whole right. weekend to week, and then as you come out, you pick up your suitcase with sexuality, and you you leave again. <laughs> so, <what? laughs> so you know, so yeah. why would that be excluded? You know, so so I always want to jump to the less obvious and say that I think sexuality is a big part. You know, guilt, shame, fear around sexuality comes out in so many other areas in your life. So if you want to be a strong leader, you you you, you need to look at your relationship with your own sexuality. You know. Um, in terms of guilt, shame, and fear around it. And then from there on, also your, your own inner relationship with yourself, with your masculine feminine energies, um, and inner marriage to yourself, because that will also come out in your connection with other people in a leadership space. And I mean, leaders mm-hmm. connect us, and the definition of leaders, you work with people, you know. So if you connect with people, it starts with a connection in yourself first. Kind of how do you how do you see sexuality playing out when it's not integrated? What does that look like? Yeah, when it's suppressed and you are not expressed, uh, it comes out in, in in other ways. You know, that's where it often comes out in in abuse, and, you know, and comes out in in the shadow side of it. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> You know, if you haven't integrated that, you haven't the guilt, shame, and fear around it, and you're conditioned on it, and you press it down, eventually it, it does pop out. And then in mm-hmm. extreme cases, that's where you get abused. That's where you get in the church or the Catholic churches, you know, abuse of young boys, and you get in, in, in the ripened communities and stuff like that. And you go into some mm-hmm. kind of parts in the world and spend a lot of time in, I mean, I'm not picking on India, but it's just a, that's coming, something that's coming up now. I spend a lot of time in India and you walk in the street and you can see the suppressed sexuality of the people and you can see the way they look at you. And it comes out in another way. The energy comes out in a different way. And I was... Uh, I experienced that you, in India. You experienced that, uh, brother. It's like, mm-hmm. it's an ugly way. And it's not just the way they look at a woman, you know. It's also like the way I look at the, the guys. It's crazy. You know, my daughter, my... When I was traveling the world, my kids always come out, my, 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 my son and daughter, and backpack a bit with me. They were still at school, you know, for two, three weeks. And we didn't actually, I was in India, but we didn't go to India. We went to Sri Lanka because I thought it was going to be too extreme for her. But even in Sri Lanka, we had that, you know. Yeah. I taught mm-hmm. her some sacred geometry things to safeguard herself. And, um, yeah. But yeah, so there's, there's, there's so much, you know, there's, yeah, it comes out in, in other ways. 
I can I can vouch for that so much because I recognize that there's a part of me that when my intimacy and my desires weren't honored or viewed as sacred, they very much went into the shadow. And it was a big energy leak for me. Like there was, I was continually finding ways to be able to move the sexual energy in a way that distracted me from showing up fully. And yeah, I couldn't be honest with my lovers. I couldn't be honest with the people in my world around me because yeah, I just wasn't able to own that and to have integrated my desires and stuff. So I resonate with that, that piece so much. That's, that's taken you into this new line of work. And I want to read your bio. Author of Jump, an epic soul and sex adventure, speaker, guide, mentor, sexual mastery coach, wizard, and lover. What do you mean by wizard? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I, I don't know. It's, uh, I live here in Scarborough, and I'm, against, uh, I'm in a hill here. Uh, against up against the hill and uh, I love communities and I love being in the going into the community but I don't want to live in a community I, I'm the wizard in the in the forest outside you know it's uh -huh. just, you know, just uh -huh. where I'm around my life I suppose I've always been you know so I'm not the mm -hmm. head man in the village there uh, um, no that's there's too much admin for me and politics and stuff so I I'm out in in a, in, in, in a bush here and then I go down to the village and talk a little bit of cuck, talk a little bit of nonsense with the guys there and, you know, share uh -huh. some wisdom if they want to listen. Or people can come out into the into the, into the the bush or the mountain here and come and talk to me. And, yeah, so I mm -hmm. think I've just got a lot of wisdom of many years, uh, experience in a lot of areas and a lot of different things. Um, extremely intuitive. Um, yeah, I've realized I've actually very shamanic. Um, always been a been a big part of my life, you know, um, not just with these workshops we've done in, in shamanism, but but also in the stuff that I've done in business. It's just fascinating how with the golden thread going through there. Um, uh -huh. So, yeah, so I, I think it's more it's from a wisdom space. It's, it's not anything special. Or hoo -hoo, hoo -hoo. It's really, I just, I, I like to share from my own insights and my own experiences. Uh, as it also says, you know, stuff you quote from books and stuff, it's just, not, it's just, it's just borrowed knowledge, you know. Um, whilst I like to share from things I've experienced myself because I think your experience mm -hmm. is true, true knowledge. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the part of you that is a, um, a sexual mastery coach. Um, when I look at your, your website, um, you make a couple of uh, claims on your website, and I want to get you to just give me some ideas of some of them. So you claim to be able to help people last longer, help men last longer in bed. How does that – I mean, I know many men would probably like to be able to do that. How do you How do you train someone to be able to be a better lover and last longer? <laughs> oh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I know. I love that. Huh? Um, yeah, so to be a better lover, I think the first point – I'm a simple guy, so I just go – you know, simple points on it. To be a best lover, I think the first thing is to last longer in bed, you know, as simple as that, you know, for a guy. Um, now, that doesn't have to be three hours or two hours. It can be. That's beautiful. But, you know, if you if you ejaculate uh, within, you know, two minutes or five minutes or ten minutes, then, you know, if you're going to – the woman that you're with has just warmed up. You know, she's just getting into her, her gas, she's not even close to her orgasmic state, and then 
you 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 may be finished with the experience and as you as we all all may know you know once you've ejaculated you're pretty tired to repass out and sleep um so i think that's a big part it's a big part to learn how to last longer in bed and i mean these are things that come from the Taoists and the tantrics you know in india and china like two three thousand years ago but it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be so woohoo you know it can just be practical things that one can do and you know, so I take guys on a guided journey of 21 days where we do that and it's a lot of exercises and a lot of you know uh, things that, that, that we talk about and that we do um, yeah and there's, so there are so many I mean one just to drop into this one pointer one one would be to change the way that you sell pleasure the way that you masturbate now mm-hmm. most mean you know it's it's like fantasy or it's a porn skin and it's like one movement with a hand, you know, and it's normally a, uh, take a porn thing out the other day. And I see there's actually a clock there nowadays that clicks that's how quick you can ejaculate. Now, God, if you, if you masturbate on that basis, how quick you can ejaculate on your own, when you're with a woman, you're also going to ejaculate within two minutes. So if you can self pleasure for 20 minutes without ejaculating and you can ejaculate at the end of it, or maybe you you just self pleasure and you don't ejaculate at all, and the next day do the same. It's just one practical tip right right there that will make a massive difference. And and there are quite 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 a few other things that we we do. So that that analogy that you have is um, many men want to run a marathon when it comes to bed, but when they practice, they practice the sprints. You know, like you, you sprint for two minutes by yourself and then you get into bed and hope to run a marathon. It's like it doesn't work that way, you know. So the sure. self-pleasuring as a practice to anchor in how it will be when you get to lovemaking is is part of the journey. So talk a little bit more about um, uh, not actually ejaculating when you're self-pleasuring. I think for many men, there is a place. I can't speak for many men. I can speak for myself. There's a version of me that recognizes that masturbation and self-pleasure had one goal and that was the release of energy that comes from the climax at the end why would somebody want to self-pleasure and not do that yeah gareth that i mean i've, I've got so much empathy with, with with us men you know with myself and with other guys is that you know no one has taught us you know we grew up you know and when we were in our teenagers you know no one generally speaking tell tell you about this you come across this you know in um in porn um so so yeah so basically yeah so the, the the big thing is to to drop into a space where you can uh, self pleasure and then when you get close for practical thing is when you get close to the to to the to the point of no return um i wouldn't say not even 90% when you start with this do it like 50% or 60% then to mm-hmm. slow down and then to build again, slow down, build again. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and that will also then teach your, teach your body that you, you will teach almost the marathon, as you say, to, to go ahead. And there was another part of the question that I just forgot. What was the reason? Just why, would, why would you not want to ejaculate? What's, was there benefit for not ejaculating? Why would you <laughs> want to not ejaculate when you're self-pleasuring? I mean, in addition to last longer, there's sure. actually you teach this process that I've been through with you of semen retention. Why would you want to do that? Yeah, the, the other beautiful thing is that, you know, most men don't realize that ejaculation and orgasm are two different things. <laughs> and uh-huh. That is just crazy, you know, and because no one has told us that. And I have to spend a little bit of time on this because – 
I mean, yes, please. Someone, someone knows it, then that, that's cool. But if they don't, they're going to go, "What? What are you talking about?" Now, uh-huh. this is not just a spiritual woo-woo. This is, I mean, a, a medical, scientific fact. You know, so your body, where you, we have the orgasm experience. Well, first of all, you can have different orgasms with the energy running through your body for like much more full body experience, or you can even have the on your in your genitals the the ejaculation. Uh, uh, sorry, the, the orgasm experience where you'd have the contraction of the prostate. Now, those are two things, two different things. You can have the orgasmic kind of experience there in your genitals, and then you can have the um, uh, the ejaculation. But these two aren't, they're not the same thing. They're often linked because when we young and we ejaculate and we self-pleasure, it's often like we're rushed, you know, it's the shower or in the bedroom. And then often these things happen, so we never experience it. So the beauty mm-hmm. is if you stop, if you, if, you, if you get to the point where you don't ejaculate, but then eventually you can have these orgasmic experiences, then your body gets the experience of this being two different things. Now, it's one thing for mm-hmm. the mind to know it. It's one thing for me to explain it. And someone can go, okay, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Or, okay, I can kind of understand. But it's a different mm-hmm. thing when your body experiences it. When you actually have the body experience of having this orgasmic thing happening in your body or in your genitals, but you haven't ejaculated, then you start realizing it, and then you realize these are two different things. And I can almost another pointer I can put out there is I don't know if so if anyone had maybe I'm sure a lot of guys out there would have had the experience of ejaculating without the, the orgasm. I've had that before, where I've you know ejaculated. Uh-huh. But I didn't have an orgasm, you know. So it's another proof point that these are two different things, you know. Right. Um, yes. And then obviously, if you have the orgasm without ejaculation, then you, then you then you really really feel it. So once you do that in your body experience, it, then you can start playing around with that, and you can put the intention out there when you're making love to yes to have these orgasmic experience, but not to ejaculate. And then the beautiful thing is, if you're not ejaculating, you can have this orgasmic thing happening in your body, and it might not be exactly like the ejaculatory thing. Maybe it's 50% of the intensity, sometimes 100%, sometimes 10%. But the beauty of it is, is that you can continue making love after that. You, know, you can have this orgasmic experience and then, sure, maybe like oh, a little bit of uh, energy there and then lie down for like five, 10 seconds and then you can start making love again because you don't lose your erection because you have that, you know, the mm-hmm. moment you have ejaculation, you lose the erection and there's what you call a refractory period which is really just a period between ejaculation and getting hard again. Now, for most men, that is, you know, that's either whether it's half an hour or an hour or a day, you know, there's, there's a refractory period. Whilst if mm-hmm. you don't ejaculate, there's no, you, you stay hard. And maybe you go a little mm-hmm. bit slightly softer because of the energy release, but you, with 10 mm-hmm. seconds later, can be hard again and make love again. Mm, so it's like multiple orgasms for men. Yes, yes, there you go. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> is there, can you speak? Was it interrupt if I go on too long? I could carry, could carry it away. No, no, no. I'm wanting to get this out and I'm, I'm liking that you're, um, that you're getting to this in the, in the, in the simple beginner's language, because I think for many, and I know this is true for me, like I didn't, I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't realize that orgasm and ejaculation could be two separate things. I didn't realize that there was even, um, I didn't understand that self-pleasuring could be a gift that you gave to yourself. I thought it was a way to release energy and just to, you know, pleasure myself in a specific way. Um, 
So no, I, th- I love how you're approaching it. I want to get to what are some of the benefits of retaining in addition to lasting longer and making love for, for a longer period and potentially these full body orgasms, what else is there to retaining that, that semen as opposed to having an ejaculation every time you make love or every time you self-pleasure? Wow, man, that's a beautiful, beautiful question. <clears throat> there are a number, quite, quite a lot, but maybe go through a few. Um, another part, one part would be energy. You would have just have more energy, you know, and I call it, and a lot of the guys call it, you know, ejaculation hangover. So if you have ejaculated what most men will find, also depending on the age, but you'll have an ejaculation hangover for a day or, or three, four, five, six days, you know, and especially if you ejaculate, let's say, on a daily basis, which a lot of men do, believe it or not, but a lot of men uh-huh. ejaculate uh-huh. daily basis or a few times a day or every second or third day. Um, and um, so if you ejaculate on a daily basis, you – after ejaculation, you go into this hangover period where your body needs to build up all this energy again. But if you mm-hmm. then the next day ejaculate again, you haven't built up the energy again. So you, you're continuously living in an ejaculation hangover. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's, uh-huh. it's like having a f- like 10 beers a night and for the next night you have 10 beers again. You, you constantly have a hangover. You know? So mm-hmm. and if you only have the 10 beers a week later, at least you're two days, three days later, you're going to feel fit and strong again. You don't have a hangover, you know? Right. Uh, sorry, crazy example. Well, maybe not a crazy example, maybe a good example. But uh, <clears throat> that's, the, that's basically also a big part. So now you have this energy in your body. Now you can transmute it for all other areas in your, in your life. You know? And this is this amazing book that a guy wrote in 1939, Napoleon Hill. Think and Grow Rich. I mean, it's, I think it's the top business book in the world. I don't know how many hundred million books have been sold. And I was just fascinated by it that this guy in 1939 wrote a book and there were 13 attributes that he, that he had for also he interviewed only men and what are the successful men, what are the attributes they have. And then one of the 10, the 10th one there, um, was uh, sexual energy transmutation. Now, I'm still astonished that in 1939, you could write a book in America, of all places, with a chapter called Sexual Energy Transmutation. Now, nowhere in that uh-huh. chapter, he talks about ejaculation. I think if he, uh, he probably would have been, you know, burned at the stake if he put the word out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that's all what that, that's actually what that whole chapter is about. It's amazing. And he talks about this is all these successful guys, not just in business, top artists, top musicians, were transmuting the, the sexual energy. So rather than ejaculating, they're basically taking that energy and they're putting it to, to something else in their life, whether it be their art, whether it be their business, be their, their kids, their hobby, their sport, you know, whatever. Um, so energy is just a, is the, is the big part, the fact that you just have more mm-hmm. energy that you can transmute in other areas. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's just... And then there's just yeah. something else popping in, and that, that is just kind of almost counterintuitive, and it's it's really, really, really interesting. And I see it with the guys on my on my on my calls that they that they that they report and that their partners report. <laughs> and there's even a name for this thing. I think it's called the Colich effect. President Colich, you can check it up and uh-huh. Google it. Um, and that's basically that if you don't ejaculate with your partner every time. I mean, that's not to say we. we so the, none of this is about that you shouldn't ejaculate. It's just that you ejaculate uh-huh. consciously, that you may not ejaculate every time, maybe only every third or fourth time that you make love, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe every, only two or three weeks that you make love. Um, but there's this mm-hmm. interesting thing that happened. If you don't ejaculate with your partner, it actually 
increases the heart connection with you and your partner. So as a man, if you don't ejaculate with a woman, you actually your heart connection with her becomes stronger. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is wow. a discussion of about two three hours just on this one point. Um, and uh, yeah, so the guys that are interested, you know, to Google that. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating thing. You know, it, it really creates a beautiful bond. Um, and I can give the the brief summary of it. I think biologically, once you ejaculate it in in the woman, you know, uh, evolutionary wise, now straight after that or the next day, you're looking for the other woman to ejaculate in, you know, because you spread your seat. But if you made love right. with this woman and you haven't ejaculated in her, then your body is still in that space of you're going to mm, still give cool. a seat, you know. So, mm-hmm. gee, that's a hell of a brief summary of what complex points so I, I hope it, it, it lands. Um, and then maybe just another thing, you know, there's so many benefits. But another thing what I also find is that if you as a, as a guy become so aware of your own body and of your ejaculation and, you know, the way you self-pleasure, uh, this heightened awareness of yourself and your body spills mm-hmm. over to heightened awareness and presence with everything and everyone around you. So now you go mm-hmm. out in the world and you're actually much more present in a way with the other people. Because you are more mm-hmm. present aware with yourself and your body, and you're also more present aware with nature, um, and uh, yeah, with everything out there. Such a beautiful topic. One of the one of the pieces that really really landed for me was in my exploration of understanding manifestation and magic was really that our focused attention, where we place our attention and the stories and the words that we use to describe something. When you hold that frequency for long enough, they eventually show up in your physical reality. When I realized the power of our creative life force, meaning what thoughts it is that we hold while we're in lovemaking or self-pleasuring, many of us are unconscious of that particular moment. And so for me in the past, it would be like I would be fantasizing about past lovers or future lovers or even worse, like porn. And I'm actually allocating some of my most precious and creative life force, the exact same life force that can create another human being, I'm allocating to some porn that I don't even necessarily care about. It's a real dissipation of focused attention that I could be putting towards the transmutation of things that I genuinely want to bring in. And realizing that for me was like, wow, I want to make sure that I'm very conscious of what I'm thinking about in those moments when I'm activating my life force and my pleasure in that way. Sure. And how did it change your experience with, with the woman you, you were with when, when you changed that? It's exactly like you said, it's created a little bit more um, awareness between us. It's brought a little bit more presence to our lovemaking because even the fact that I have to engage in a conversation with my lovers and say, I'm on a conscious path that I'm not ejaculating every time I make love. For many women, that's something new for them, not often something that they that they readily receive. So just by the fact that I need to have that conversation up front and let them know this is my choice, this is why I'm making the choice, explaining it in that way mm-hmm. creates a, a sense of safety and awareness that also gets them to know where I am. And I feel like our connection is a little bit better instead of two beings bumping together you know, with some <clears throat> common goal or just to pass the time or to move the energy there's genuinely a little bit more of a dance where I can explain that I use a percentage of a hundred to describe how close I am to my edge. And when I get to 70, 
I need you to stop pulling. So there's like all these nuances that come up in connection that I think have made it just so much more perhaps intimate. I think it's just the ability to be able to share what's genuinely happening and create this backwards and forwards in a way that I never really had reference points for in my lovemaking. There are many, oh, but that's definitely one that stands out for me. Yeah, I love that, Gareth. Yeah, no, and I find it mm. for a lot, for lot of the guys saying the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that communication, you know. So now you're talking about sex with your partner, you know, that's already <laughs> just the talking is already it's such a big part. Um, what do you and, what do you uh, find in your work? Are, are men having to to you've you you've spent more time in this space talking with men about this particular topic? Mm-hmm. How many men are having to educate their partners, or is this becoming more and more of a thing that women are aware of? Oh, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, I think there are not more women aware of this than men, maybe even less. That, that, that's, I think, the, the, the challenge with this is that there are very few men know about this and very few women. Uh, oh, God, I'm thinking maybe 95% of the planet don't know about it. Right. I don't know how correct that right. is. I obviously, obviously didn't do a survey, but that's almost my sense, my no. feeling. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely, brother. The, um, the, it's so important to have the discussion with with the, with the partner, and that's part of my course. Actually, it's day two, three. We, we I say to the guys, you know, show show uh, your chick, you know, this even these videos, you know, and some of them uh-huh. have the conversation because women are also so conditioned, you know, they're conditioned that their desirability is connected to the the man's ejaculation. You know, uh-huh. and all of a sudden you start not ejaculating. She's gonna if she doesn't know what you're doing, she's gonna start worrying whether you have affairs or. You're not just not desirable anymore, or you know X, Y, Z. So, so it's super important to have that discussion. You know, have that discussion with her and um, and explain. You know, why you're doing it, and then you know she will very quickly see the benefits also. You know, because you will make love for longer, um, and it's all all communication process. And as you said earlier, you know, and a lot of women even sub does, don't know that subconsciously, unconsciously, they may be drawing the seed out. I've had. Lovers, where I was pretty good at ejaculation uh, choice practice, but I could sure I go quite fast, and I actually, in a very gentle way, discussed it with her and said, you know, you're aware you may be pulling it out, and, and she said, oh wow, I wasn't. And then the next time we made love, it was totally different. She didn't do it again, yep. uh, and, uh-huh. and it's just you know, they're trying to do anything bad. It's just that it's just so conditioned and and subconscious, unconscious. So the discussion is super important on that. Yeah. Such a rich topic. I um, what's what's calling you at the moment? What is your grabbing your attention and pulling you in in your world at the moment? What do you feel most lit up about in in your world right now? Sure, it's a combination of the, of, of this stuff we talk about in a sexuality space. Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah, to help lift the guilt, shame, and fear around sexuality for everyone, not just men. And to just talk openly about it, you know, I find that for me, it's natural to talk a lot of my friends and lovers and girlfriend and partners say, wow, I mean, you just talk so naturally about this. And I said, but why not? You know, so I think I've got a gift uh-huh. that I that just, it's not weird. I just, I, I mean, it just comes naturally for me to talk about these things and to, it's not, it's not strange. And uh, so I think there's definitely, I enjoy that. I enjoy to just to share whatever experience I have and get people to, to, to open up and have these chats. Um, so that's a big part. And, and then as we mentioned earlier, there's definitely a pull from business. I don't know where the hell that's mm-hmm. going to go, but I can definitely uh-huh. start feeling a pull from business in this space. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to also see where that, where that flows. Um, 
And uh, but you know, conscious businesses, you know, stuff that that, for example, something I looked at recently that can uplift rural communities, can help poverty you know, in Africa and you know other developing worlds, and all in the same way make the planet greener. But you know, not mm-hmm. not not a hey, not. I'm not into the NGO thing. I think it's beautiful, but it's not for me. I think I'll get frustrated. I, you know, wait, wait. It's, it's, we're also building value in the business. You know? So, but then because those businesses create employment, it's entrepreneurship. It creates employment and 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 a livelihood for the people in the businesses. And, and you can build these things also where your suppliers become partners. They become also entrepreneurs in it, and especially in Africa. I mean, you know, South Africa. You know this. This place needs entrepreneurs, man. That's our, that's our only solution. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think the unemployment rate is, I don't know, 67% or something. I don't know. I'm wow. stating it maybe, but it's, it's a hectic line. I had sometimes 36, sometimes 67%. I mean, I think it's states or so, whatever, first world countries, the guys complaining at the very high now at like 5, 6%. I'm, you know, really just guessing the numbers a little bit now. But yeah, this yeah, is a yeah. good chart. Big challenge here, man. So yeah, so creating, yeah, creating entrepreneurs, you know, that um, create value. So beautiful, brother. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing, and I, I'm grateful to have met you and to have spent time in your space and in your container. And uh, yeah, bro, I'm, I'm lit up by what it is that you're sharing with the world. And yeah, we spoke a little bit before this, and uh, if it still feels like a yes, it would be great to have you inside our men's circle to touch a little bit on this uh, ejaculatory choice thing next week and uh, perhaps even be a, a guest inside the clear relating container, which we have coming up in March, if that feels like a yes for you. Yeah, that sounds excellent. I would love to share. I mean, I, I'm happy to talk to anyone about any of this, and I would love to talk to you specifically about it because you're doing such beautiful work. Thanks for the amazing stuff you're doing, Gareth. Uh, appreciate it, like. So, yeah, whatever way I can support and collaborate, we'd love to. Thank you, man. And I'm looking forward to uh, coming and sitting at the feet of the wizard when I come to South Africa in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pour you a cold beer or a, or a hot cup of cacao, whatever you prefer, on the deck here. I look really look forward to seeing you in person here, man. It'll be so nice, bro. Nice one, brother. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to hang out today. It's always so cool for him spending time with you, boss. And uh, yeah, I love you, bro. You too, my man. Much love. Chat soon. Ciao. Thanks for spending some time with us today. We hope that you enjoyed the show. As men living in this world, we're called to lead in our families, organizations, and our own lives. Are you living as the type of leader that you would want to follow? What are your plans to develop and evolve your leadership? Welcome to Tribe by Father, Sons, Brothers, a community of authentic leaders. Leadership books can teach strategies, but embodied leadership needs to be lived. The FSB Tribe provides practical tools, a supportive community and a safe place to evolve into the leader that you came here to be. Join the Tribe and connect with an authentic group of men already embodying the change that we want to see in the world. If this sounds like a community that you want to be part of, go to fatherssonsbrothers.com forward slash tribe to find out more or check out the link in the show notes. See you next time.